This is Marcia Stonehill with Melty Ice. Today on Operation Flow, in honor of Black History Month, the King George NAACP presents Alice L. Moore, retired treasurer of King George County. Alice is a native of King George County with at least three to four generations of family heritage here in this area. I had the privilege of sitting down with Alice, her mother, and her aunt about a year ago, and we were making a plan to do a filming of uh, them sharing about some of their experiences here in King George. Well, and then COVID happened. <laughs> kind of interfered with that process. So we're picking up today, Alice, and I thank you for being with us. And uh, we can start this process in honor of Black History Month to hear uh, many experiences that you have to share with us. Alice? Thank you, Marsha. I decide or would like to thank Marsha for the opportunity of deciding to speak with me. I'd like to thank King George as my home, my family heritage of all the wonderful things that I've had the opportunity to experience. I would also like to thank the NAACP for this appropriate program for um, Black History Month. Thanks to all of you. As I take the time to sit with Marsha, I'd like to share with you all in our conversation some of my experiences as an African-American, things that I've witnessed, things that I've been a part of, and things that just has been a part of my life. Before going further, I say to King George, thanks for the memories. Marcia, um, is there any particular way you'd like to handle this as I share? So Alice, when I sat down with you and your mother and your aunt, one of the things that I recognized is that you were very open you talked about the fact that you shared your experiences with each other as a family. Your, your mother shared about her experiences. You shared about your experiences. Your children were surprised to learn about your experiences. Your grandchildren are shocked to hear about your experiences. Um, so it demonstrates a couple of things. It demonstrates the progress that we've made. But it also demonstrates that the progress we've made is really not as far away. You know, these experiences that were uh, the Jim Crow era in particular, I guess we could, it wasn't that far away. It's, it's in your home. People have lived it. Yes, most definitely. Um, I guess with my mother and my, you know, shared with me some of the experiences that she encountered as a child, um, having to go to places and it says um, white onlys or four colored onlys. But fortunately, she was not scarred by that. I guess being raised in a good home, we all understood that we're all God's children. And though most people or some people don't see it that way. We were raised to understand that we are all God's children regardless. And so therefore her not being scarred, she was able to share that with me to let me know that things that I encounter, good or bad, they have been different. But progress has been made as well as much progress to be made. So, you know, I... Oftentimes, I find that people resist having these conversations because they think that just in having the conversation that when if people want to talk about it, that black people are being victims or, you know, that we're jumping to these extremes like, you know, people are crying victim or that people have been psychologically damaged and that is not the point of the conversations at all. I don't hear people asking for therapy I, or pity. I ask people or hear people asking to just be able to talk about the realities uh, for the sake of preventing a recurrence of those types of things. 
and and to me also to truly have an appreciation of the struggle and the fight that came before us to help us to get to where we are now yeah marcia that's very true you know as i told you before as when we spoke we as black people we were forced to learn like culture we were brought into your homes as slaves we had to know how you wanted your food cooked how you wanted your house kept regardless to what we did with in our homes or our food we had to know what the white culture wanted and what they would accept as time goes on even now our kids still are forced to learn the white culture because that's the way basically the world is they're 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 getting more into understanding black culture because of all the interracial friends and marriages and things of that nature but we as individuals we had to know like um i spoke with you before when i went to work at the credit union at dahlgren i was the first black employee they ever had i didn't go there for that purpose it was a job i accepted it and i was there for 18 and a half years loved it but i also loved my co-workers they felt comfortable with me we felt comfortable with each other and they we would spend some lunch hours they would ask me you know about things about the black culture and because i felt it was important that they needed to know and they felt it was important to them or they just maybe just inquisitive and wanted to know but we spent many many t- times just exploring and i would share with them i wasn't offended i was you know excited that they wanted to know and i think once they got to hear a little bit every day they wanted to know a little bit more because it was not something that they were you know exposed to well and that's definitely very real that you know as a white woman i realize that there's so much that i do not know or and did not know i'm in the process of learning you know about black culture and the very fact of what you said that the 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 norm in our society is to do things according to white cultural ideas and rather than expecting people from different cultures to fit into that idea it's about learning the beauty of all these different cultures and as i've heard another woman say you know where america is a tapestry of many different cultures and being able to fully embrace that and understand that instead of kind of a one size fits all package very much so Because so all the cultures are so very different um i myself you know see different other cultures and i'm i'm you know i would like to inquire and there are times that i do but black and white culture is i guess the most um most out here in in america definitely you know and so i think it's it's important that we all that we like i said we need to understand yes we were forced to learn white culture but now we find that white people are wanting to know our culture and because they do need to know because now we are intermingling and all of these things are are, are melting together and we need to be exposed to understand what our what our next step is what do we do next how do we handle various different things little things such as um an interracial couple with a little girl who has all this hair and you don't have a clue what to do with it <laughs> and so you know, these are things that we that we need to know where of course i can tell you pretty much what to do with white hair but because we're forced but can you tell me can you've never been exposed to these the little black hair girls what what to do other than just pull it in the ponytail and let it go but that's not caring for the hair right exactly and it these are the things that i think that we don't think about uh we're so used to just walking through our everyday life and dealing with um the challenges that life brings 
whether it's health problems or elder parent problems or just having to work and pay your bills that people sometimes forget, it seems, or don't take the time or recognize the importance of taking the time to learn things that are outside of your own personal experience and especially, again, into looking into a different culture. You know, I can reflect that just because I'm a white woman doesn't mean I'm going to have the same experience as all other white women. You know, we we need to really be intentional, I think, about learning how other people are experiencing life. And from that learning, like you said, what can we do to make it better? What can we do to make it uh, good for everyone? And just challenge the status quo, I guess you could say? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And we, as individuals, black, white, whatever, we need to understand that we're all children of God. We're all people. And that we all, even in a, in a household with your own children, everybody's lifestyle, everybody's life preference, everybody's is different. And so we need to reach out to the other and see what we can do to make that life simple, to be able to, you know, reach out and help or in the same token so that someone can help me because we're not here alone. This is a world that we have to survive in with all types, all races, all colors, all creeds, ethnicities. And we need to be able to reach out to one another to move forward. You know, I would like to hear what you have to say. I've definitely, of course, we are all children of God and are equal. And, you know, you hear, I hear people say that, but yet their defenses will come up immediately as soon as you try to have a conversation, conversation such as what we're having, you know, looking at the differences in the cultures and uh, embracing different cultures more. And when I'm, when I mean different, I guess I want to emphasize again that because it's been so much a part of our way of life in America, especially white people don't see that the white culture has been the dominant culture and that we need to be more eager and willing to embrace different culture than what has been our status quo. And that's true. But I think, um, well, look at this last year. It has opened the eyes of many to let them know that as black people, we want to move forward. We do not want to be the, the I guess, we don't want, we're not saying be dominant, but we want to be side by side. We want that the, this world is so full of black and white people. We want to walk side by side. We're not asking um, for any special treatment. We're just asking for equal treatment. And I think if we do that, if we if we take the time to to reach out to each other to understand that I don't want anything exceptional. I just want to be treated the same. I just want to be equal. You know, and I think the fact that you even said that kind of speaks to the extremes that our media jumps to sometimes, you know, or the fears that people have. It's not about uh, one culture dominating another culture. It's about embracing all cultures. And uh, there does seem to be that fear out there that... um, that there's going to be a shift in dominance or something. So maybe dominance is not the right word to use because that'll just feed into people who have those fears. But uh, that's part of what we're trying to get beyond is the emotional reactions that people have. You know, instead of sitting and listening to what is really being said and You know, Governor Northam has done uh, such an amazing job with the diversity, inclusivity, and equity commission that he appointed Dr. Janice Underwood 
and with the changes that he's looking at different policies and, and looking into systemic issues, uh, these are the things too that people don't seem to, uh, because we haven't talked about it as a culture, we because we haven't been adequately exposed to these conversations, there's an immediate fear and resistance to the conversation and to the ability to just simply improve things so that there is more equal ground. Very much, yeah. So, go, go ahead. ahead no, you go ahead, please. You know, as I was, uh, you know, saying, like I said, I've been in a lot of situations where I've been the only black in a room, only black in a meeting, only black on a job. But because I have no fear, I'm completely uh, secure in myself that I have no problems in answering questions when people ask me about them. I think we as individuals should feel that way. But in the same token, I think that on the other side, if you have a question, you need to ask. You need to understand what's going on. But when you ask that question, ask it in a way that lets people know that I'm only inquiring. I just want to know, you know, share with me, you know, and I think that um, it'll be a lot better you know, for, for all of us, these are things we have to expose ourselves to, but we have to expose them in kindness so that we all can understand. You know, with, again, like I said, as far as myself as an individual, I don't want anything special. I just want it to be equal. And I have been very fortunate in that in my life. I've seen things, but I've been able to move forward. You know, Alice, you said something that's so critical and so important, and I don't know if you can speak more into this to encourage others, but you said you don't have the fear or you never did really have the fear and you have confidence. And it it absolutely takes that to be able to navigate these conversations and to to teach each other, right? Can yeah. you, how would you encourage others? Because, you know, we, there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of insecurity. There are a lot of people that are very apprehensive about speaking up, or maybe they do speak up and they meet so much resistance, then they shut down. What are your thoughts on that? You just, for me, be secure within yourself understand who you are, what you're all about. And when you move forward, when people ask you questions or or you're put in that situation, like I said, I've been put in that situation many times, but I've never thought about it as that situation. I've thought about the fact that I'm here because of me, not because of the color of my skin. I'm here because I was qualified or whatever. Like I said, I've been in various um first situations. I was the first um, black employee for the Bank of Dowland, for those of you who remember that years ago. I was completely happy. I um, came back and at that time I was uh, back in the back working bookkeeping, but there were other people back there as well. Then when I left and I came back, I came back on the front line as a teller. I was never treated any different. People didn't, um, like I said, I smiled and I was respectful to others. So therefore they were respectful to me as the, like I said, the first black employee for the NSWC Federal Credit Union, which is now known as Top, top Side. I, uh, I was completely fine there. And I guess the most what people would remember me for would be being the first elected African-American constitutional officer for the county of King George. Again, I didn't go to that job for that particular reason. I went to the job because I was in finance and I thought I would enjoy it. And I did after 20 years before I did 20 years before retirement. But people I treated people with respect. So therefore, people treated me with respect. So first of all, respect yourself. Therefore, you'll respect others. And if you treat people with respect, you're going to get some feedback, maybe, some, you know, sometimes. But as an overall, people will respect you also. 
So do you have any thoughts about the system policies and reviews, especially this year, you know, with the George Floyd incident? Um, we have become much more aware as a nation that there are systemic things that we must address and become more aware of, you know, which goes beyond then or helps to amplify the individual respect toward each other. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, my, my thought to that was, and things have been going on for years, but it I guess that kind of brought it to surface and which really opened up all of the public eyes, black and white. And blacks decided at that point, you know, and as I say, we need to stand up, be comfortable with yourself, know that you're doing what you need to do and move forward. But you will notice that, yeah, we had some rioting there for a little bit. But when they finally got to where people were listening, there, there was just a few things that went wrong. But as an overall, black people came forward to let the world know just, again, they weren't asking for anything exceptional they just wanted to be equal and you and i can see from day to day that they're they're they weren't being treated equal or we as black people were not being treated equal um a lot has come forward but then so much was just so obvious and that's that's basically what we were asking for these obvious things that we can see that's happening come on we can see it you can see it come forward and you know and work with us and, and, you know, and let these things, you know, have, you know, help us. Yes. And, you know, I do think that there are a lot of people, a majority of people who do want to come forward and support and do the right thing and see the right thing happen. Um, you had said earlier, too, that... You know, there's this there's this uh, deflection that occurs sometimes of we need to stop talking about the past and move forward. And and I want to emphasize what you said earlier. You know, everybody wants to move forward. You know, but we do have to sometimes reflect on where things have been and present a more accurate representation of actual experiences for people to understand how we can move forward uh, more equally. Well, you see, Marsha, the past is, well, history is the past. And I think we, as individuals, black and white, learn from it. Yes. We can't, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to disappear. So, you know, say such as removing monuments and things i'm i have my good and my bad thoughts about that but if the monument stands don't worry about it it's there learn from it let that be an example of what not to do again um we, these things if if we take away all the monuments all the street signs all the whatever the history is not going anywhere it's still there so let that be a lesson for all of us to what not to do, what we can do so differently to move forward. History is just as it is. History, learn from it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, people, you know, my understanding, especially locally, is when it comes to monument, it's simply about removing the location of not destroying the monument or not removing the history of that monument by any means, but just shifting the location and building on the awareness and education around it to make sure that it's uh, fully reflected upon and not from just a narrow scope. Right. So, um, I mean, there's so many, so many things that we do each and every day. So many of the inventions and things of, of every day that were done by black people. 
that we never ever hear about and we take one month february to try to cram all of that good stuff in there but then after that we're done why you know why is that why is it that we're done after that one month things happen all the time somebody's inventing things somebody has invented this and we use it every day in our lives but we never stop to um share those things even in our schools we don't share these things in our schools you know that this particular thing we talk about the electricity with thomas edison but we, did we talk about the traffic light or did we you know various different things that black people have invented they, they need to and instill some of this in just some of the history of black history in the school i think they do have a class now that uh, of black history but it's still missing so much and maybe we just need to you know take the time to like i said one month can't take care of all of the things that the black culture has brought to the world alice you know i can't emphasize enough that what you're saying i don't understand why we're only doing a black history month it needs to become a part of our tapestry what black people have done for our country and the inventions, the lists go on and on and on and on. When I've done my own digging and my own research, you know, I, I've had to sit back and say, why wasn't I taught this? Why wasn't this brought to my attention? Why isn't this a part of just our tapestry and our natural culture? And, you know, I would encourage our listeners today to you can just Google inventors, you know, people, contributions to the medical field, contributions to science, to NASA, you know, the lists go on and on and on. And um, you'll understand exactly what we're talking about here once you, you do that research. Uh, we can do a whole lot better at more appropriate representation. Yes, very much so. Alice, if I may, for a minute, I'd like to go back to what you were saying about the um, being respectful to each other. Um, I remember, you know, that gets tricky. Of course, we need to be respectful to each other and be thoughtful about, you know, not responding to people from our ego or from our emotions. I'm a, a big teacher on that. Um but there's also been a lot of, I guess, people kind of, what, pretending to be respectful when they're really not. Uh, and I guess that's what we need to uh, just be more thoughtful. I, I guess I would just want to say to every individual to really assess yourself and uh we need to look deep inside of ourselves and look at our biases and really reflect on how we respond to people. Do we get defensive? Do we, uh, are we willing to learn? Are we willing to think outside of the box of our own experiences? Are we willing to be redirected if we say something that is offensive? Are we willing to learn from that instead of becoming defensive about it? Um, you know. I love that. That's just it. It's it's very easy to say. Please um, be respectful. It's very easy to say. Don't be defensive or don't get offensive. But it doesn't happen. It depends on what the individual has encountered in their life. Like I said, um, for me, I didn't encounter anything really, really that offensive. So therefore, it's easier for me. But for the people that have gone through things there's a lot resting on their heart and their soul that they immediately almost take that offensive because they're flashbacks absolutely and and it's and it's difficult i i, I understand it's got to be difficult when those flashbacks but that's when you, you you have to do a real real deep soul searching of yourself and say hey i've got to i've got to trust and get through this and, 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 and try to move forward. But yes, I know flashbacks have got to be hitting, you know, coming upon a lot of people and it makes them very offensive. Well, you know, I'm really glad that you said that because 
being that I do work in the mental health field, I don't, again, I don't want to go to an extreme that people are damaged, but when, you know, our brain is just kind of set up that way. When we have a negative or a scary or an uncomfortable experience or repeated experiences of discomfort, um, it's only natural that things are going to get triggered. And I do think, I guess part of my challenge to us as a people is to be, to recognize that and to learn again how to respond to people more sensitively with more, and when I mean sensitively, I mean with just more awareness. And again, right. you know, if if something I've said seems to have triggered something in someone, I have a choice in how I, how I respond, right? Yes. And, you know, I can I can either get defensive and nasty or you know, be mean about it or, you know, whatever, or I can offer compassion in the situation and, um, and be considerate and thoughtful to that other person that something must have gotten triggered and become a part of the solution and a part of the healing instead of simply agitating and agitating and aggravating the problem. And and that's true, Marsha, but for some people, you know, depending on what that flashback brings, <clears throat> some, if it's, you know, some people have gone through some pretty horrific stuff and that flashback is pretty horrific. Um, so it, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to take time. And I think that's like the, the, the thing with George Floyd, it hit some pretty, that was pretty horrific things and people you know had to had to the flashbacks of all the various things that were going on particularly around that time there was a lot going on then and so it it takes a a lot a a real deep deep soul searching and hopefully you know with 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 people just just trying hard and staying um focused we can get there but yes flashbacks are horrific and and it causes you know, it, it makes it makes it difficult to come off the right way. But you know, we're just hoping, hoping, praying that you know we can we can move forward. Alice, yeah, go ahead. For the sake of our listeners, because I think because of how, like you said, history is taught, or like we've been discussing, you know, because of how history is taught, because we're kind of indoctrinated to think oh these things are so far in the past uh people may not really understand what type of flashbacks are occurring because we've been taught to think that things have happened so far in the past but see a lot of not that far in the past exactly it's you know things are happening every day some of which we all know about some of which we don't so much is swept under the rug that we don't even see or hear about you know the news is putting a lot of stuff out there but then there's a lot that it's not there's a lot that we don't see on the news there's a lot that we don't you know we're not aware of but somebody else is so we it's kind of hard to determine what you know what that person is going through Absolutely. Do you feel it's appropriate to share what some of the flashbacks might be? Or uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, so you can feel free to pass on that. But again, to educate our listeners. um, Well, for myself, like I said, for me, my life was pretty good. I, I, I can't really say that I have a lot of flashbacks and maybe things happened around me that I did not see or I was not exposed to. But I do remember people talking about things. I mean, such as when I say I had a good life and I wasn't exposed to, I remember in Fredericksburg when we could not sit at the counters at like at Goolworks or at Woolworth. But I didn't realize that I couldn't sit there because my parents knew. So therefore they didn't take me to that, put me in that situation, but I didn't realize it. And so, you know, there's other things that I didn't realize, or I'm not aware of that people right around me, right 
you know, left or my right do realize or do remember. Like I said, I don't remember anywhere going where it says um, whites only or um, for coloreds only. But then when I stop and I think, when the theaters in Fredericksburg, we could only go to the Colonial. I didn't think about it because I was going to a movie, but I didn't realize that the Victoria, I think, which was a little further up the street, that was for white only. We couldn't go there, but my parents never took me there, so I didn't know. As far as going to um, to the beach, I mean, even Colonial Beach, we couldn't go there to swim, so we had to go to George Washington's birthplace and go down on the river there. But we had fun, so it didn't seem to bother me. And my parents didn't take me to Colonial Beach because they knew we couldn't swim there, but I was not exposed to that. So I didn't know the difference because they, I guess, protected me from that difference. But there are so many people that do remember that, that you know, weren't protected from that. They either, you know, except they lived near the beach and they walked down there and they were told to go away you know things of that nature because they could get there without their parents so they just figured oh it's water we'll go play and they were and they were sent away but see I that didn't affect me so I didn't know about it because my parents I guess protected me from a lot of that stuff but some of the but there are people right here in well right here in King George who know what the differences are we you know places we couldn't go but like I said again I didn't realize it because my parents knew it so they didn't expose us to it so I really appreciate what you're sharing. Um, I think what I hear is that situations like this get minimized and dismissed a lot as far as the impact that that can have on an individual. And again, I want to remind our listeners, and we're not going to the other extreme. We're not becoming victims and we're not catastrophizing things, but we're talking about what is real and we're talking about uh, how we can all move forward from it through conversations and through the awareness of recognizing that these types of memories do get triggered in someone. And though though it's not my job to fix what gets triggered in you, I can't do that. That's up to the individual. I can again, create a safe space, I can be sensitive to and create an atmosphere that allows healing instead of just being negative or dismissive or, um, or rude, you know. Um, you know, Alice, as I've started these conversations with people, I've certainly learned a lot. I, I know that People who are alive today, you know, have experienced things uh, like cross, seeing cross burnings that occurred, you know, have lived in times when there, there were lynchings and there was violence and there was, um, you couldn't rely on police to protect you. And I think that's one that people really don't understand. I don't know why, I guess because it's not their own experience, but you know, especially that's an area where there needs to be a lot of, a lot more education. You know, I've learned about, in that regard, you know, that that there was a time when there was criminal activity that was occurring by white people that toward black people that uh, never got addressed because because of the times. Right. Very much so. Very much so. And and that's basically what's that's basically what's taking place now with Black Lives Matter. We want these things recognized. We want action taken. We are human just as the next guy. And we want to be respected as such. Absolutely. 
you know, I've had a lot of difficulty understanding why there's so much defensiveness around that because it's so simple, you know, and like you said, though, I think it just takes a lot of confidence and uh, not being fearful, you know, and I'm saying that to white people, you know, put your defenses down, just listen to what's being said. Let's uh, be real about what's happened, and let's and let's move forward, and in a in a powerful and productive way that's good for good for everyone, um, but that is honoring to what Black people have been asking us to pay attention to that we've simply not paid attention to. Very much, very much. I think we. I'd like to think that we're doing a better job of listening now and that we are taking steps and making steps of progress. I think one of the other things that I've recognized is it doesn't matter what is happening, say, on a national level or on a state level as far as progress goes. We also have to be accountable in each locality to make sure that this progress is being implemented in each locality. Yes. Yes, we we have to first make the difference in our community. And from our community then we move forward. But we have to first be 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 mindful in our own community with our own every you know neighbors to our left and to our right in these in our communities be mindful of that. And then from there, we uh, we be mindful. We then raise our families to be mindful as they venture out into the world. Hopefully, they will take that with them to share with the communities that they then um, go into. And hopefully, it'll spread from community to community, and things will get better. We must move forward. Uh, we're here. Nobody's going anywhere. So, you know, it would be so much easier to just live in peace. And that, that's, that's hard to say, but it would be easier for all of us. Yes. Alice, you've been in leadership positions. And, you know, one of the things that we definitely want to see in our locality is a broader representation in our leadership. Uh, what would you encourage in that regard? I think you kind of just said it, you know, just taking what you've learned in your home and bringing it into your community. But what would you say to encourage broader representation in our leadership? I would just say to each individual, um, this is something that I think a lot of us want. Be mindful. If it's something you want, go for it. You know, it doesn't take anybody in particular to do anything um you don't have to have a phd you don't have to have all this i spent 20 years as treasurer with the high school education i would hope that i was successful in my 20 years um i would hope that i gained respect i tried to respect people that came to me so i would hope that i gained and i know i did i gained respect from a lot of people who came into the office so if there's something out there you want you want to see changed then take part in what's going on be it uh, community developments of uh, community activities um the boards the various different organizations that are out here in the community become a part of those things and when you go into those things go in with an open mind and you know share with people what your ideas are and why you have these ideas it's not just just under let them understand it's not just something i dreamt up last night these are things that i'd like to see happen to our community and this is why share those things with the various individuals of these community groups and I think if you share and share you know share from the heart share from the soul it will reach out and then you know everybody doesn't think alike and some of these things maybe nobody has thought about but you so if you share them with someone then they'll go okay I never thought of it that way let's move forward so you know if you're interested you want things to change by all means go out and help make that change Go out and be a part of your community and the changing of your community. Amen to that. 
please take on leadership positions and uh, bring your insights and your wisdom and your knowledge so we can progress together. We definitely want that in our leadership. And I would say, you know, if you're encountering uh, resistance that feels overwhelming or insurmountable, you know, that is where you can lean on an organization like the NAACP to uh, get support and to help um, with the progress that's needed. Um, I'd like to, you know, also Um, encourage... Jack, right here, as you're saying that, uh, when you talk about leaning on the community, such leaning on the organizations such as the NAACP, I didn't mention it, but I will not enter in this pod, in this podcast without saying a special thank you to the NAACP because yes, I am or was where I was because of the NAACP. Uh, years ago, they were instrumental in the start of my quote-unquote political career. When I was younger, um, well, prior to coming into the office, the NAACP themselves got together and said, you know, um, we need African-Americans in some of these these offices in the the county. And what they did, and I, I, I thank them so much for it, what they did was they decided to go into the send messages to the churches saying, look, we we are qualified for some of these positions. Let's 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 get behind somebody and let's 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 push them forward. And what they did was they asked several or anybody that was interested in running for the office to um, come forward. And and what they did, they 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 talked to us, they worked with us, they <clears throat> interviewed us. They, they, they stress the importance of being us. And they selected, like, out of all the people that said they were interested, they like they selected, like, two or three of us, and they went over our backgrounds, and they did interviews with us, and they questioned us and all that stuff. And they decided among, you know, said, okay, as NAACP, we're going to select one person, and as as a organization, we're going to stand behind that person and help them get into this political arena. And I um, was selected to be that person. I thank them for that because if it hadn't been for that, definitely, I probably would have been like everybody else, too afraid to even stick my hand in the, you know, and hit my head in the ring. But they stood behind me through getting me into the political arena. And that is why I became the treasurer. Um, they, they stood behind me and said, okay, we're going to support you. If you need anything, if you need any help, if you need, you know, whatever, we're going to be there to help you out. And they stood behind me 200%. And I was eventually, you know, eventually elected treasurer of King George County. And they stood behind me. And like I said, if it had not been for them, even thinking that direction, I would not have done that, hmm. but because they did, and I remember back then my husband said, you can do that, and I'm going, who, me? But the NAACP really worked with us to help us be able to feel comfortable in the public eye, to be comfortable in questions and in all kinds of um, arenas, wherever you have the, the debates and things of that nature. They worked with us, and then they, and as a group, they selected me, and I thank them so much. Thank you, NAACP. You will just not know how much they they are in my heart for what they've done for me. So if you people are interested, let these organizations or somebody know that you're you're thinking about stuff, and they'll 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 work with you. I know they will. The NAACP, the various churches, the various organizations. Go to them and let them know you're interested. You want to do something like that, and I am sure. that they'll stand by you and they'll help you in any way they possibly can to get you into the arena that you want to be in. Absolutely. And I know for a fact, too, that that is true. And I know that the NAACP is eager for for younger people to come forward and begin to take these positions uh, so we can continue to pass the baton and carry things forward, right? Yes, most definitely. So, 
Alice, uh, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm sure that uh, it will provide people with a lot of insight and a lot of things to think about. Uh, do you have any final words that you would like to say, or was there more that you wanted to say that I perhaps missed? No, no. Basically, like I said, I think we be mindful we're all human. Be mindful we all have feelings. But also know that if it's something that you're really, really interested in, go out and go go get it. Go for it. Go for it. And, and, and if you just keep a positive attitude, things are changing slowly, but we as individuals work with our community and get our community ready, and then we'll go from community to community. I, I, I just think... Um, Thank you, Marsha, for allowing me this opportunity to share some of my thoughts with those that are listening. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I tell King George all the time, thanks for the memories. It has been a wonderful ride for me, but I've just been one of those fortunate ones. There are so many that have not had this ride, that are, that are faced with all kinds of things that, that weren't as pleasant. So, you know, get with somebody, let somebody help you and let's let's move forward and get our community. White people, I say to you that we are human. If you've got a question, find a friend, ask someone. We'll gladly share with you what's on our hearts so that you can learn what we're all about because we are very interested in mankind. Alice, thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation. And um, if you want to do another conversation at another time, please feel free. This uh, The podcast Operation Flow remains open at all times. We want to spread information and uh, make a difference in our community. So thank you for being a part of that change. And we do, again, extend an invitation to everyone, a reminder. It's not an invitation. It's a reminder that... You have a lot to contribute, and please come forward because there is support there for you as you're contributing. So uh, thank you, Alice, uh, for, um, for being with us today, and we look forward to a future conversation again. You take okay, care. Thank you. Thank you so much.